Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the state of Texas. Agriculture is not the enemy of the environment. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. Farmers are defoliating cotton in central Texas. This is Dr. Shay McClellan, and I'll have more from Wake Sorghum scholarships are available to Texas students. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more information coming up. Plus, we'll have news from Washington, D.C. and a complete look at the markets coming up later. But first, here's a look at news headlines. There's an old saying that farmers and ranchers are the original environmentalists. One Texan believes that's still true, and he's taking action to prove it. Tom Nicoletti reports. Tom McDonald is from Hartley in the Texas Panhandle. He is Senior Vice President of Environmental Affairs and Sustainability, for Five Rivers Cattle Feeding Company in Delhart. McDonald was recently appointed chairman of the Farm, Ranch, and Rural Communities Federal Advisory Committee within the Environmental Protection Agency. The cattle feeding representative joins us again today to talk about the issues his committee will be addressing, including that agriculture is not an enemy of the environment, but rather a friend. Oh, absolutely. Agriculture from as far back as I know, has always worked with the land and conservation practices and conserving the air, water, and soil is is what we're about. We make our livelihood off of the land and land gets passed down from generation to generation. And it's a tradition to want to hand off the land in, in a better form than it was when taken by the current generation. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. And again, that's part of communicating the care and concern that we have for the land to, to those that regulate us. How about agriculture as it is depicted when it comes to greenhouse gas emissions? I get really frustrated when I read a lot of the press about greenhouse gas emissions and agriculture. Agriculture gets painted as the problem. I believe 180 degrees from that is the true answer. When you look at the U.S. numbers, agriculture in total emits 8% of the U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. Beef cattle is 2% of that. Row crop agriculture is 4% of that. We're, we're a minority into that. And then the other aspect of that is all we ever see are the emission numbers. And, and we all know that there's two sides to that equation. There's emissions and then there's sinks. And, and agriculture is a, a big source of the sequestration of uh, greenhouse gases and, and actually takes the, the uh, CO2 out of the atmosphere to grow the, the, the crops, the, the plants that, that our, our livestock and our grain producers rely on. So agriculture, in my opinion, should be looked at as the model for the world. A lot of times the press will use global numbers 
and and we we know that there's a lot of uh, agriculture countries that have a lot less efficient agriculture than the United States. We've we've truly got the the agricultural system that should be the model for the world. That again is Tom McDonald. He is the recently appointed chairman of the Environmental Protection Agency's Farm, Ranch, and Rural Communities Federal Advisory Committee. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farmers are defoliating cotton in Central Texas. Dr. Shane McClellan takes a closer look from Waco. Cotton in Central Texas has open bowls and is close to harvest. The plants are naturally defoliating as those leaves become mature. Our cotton farmers here in Central Texas are applying Harvest Aid products to finish removing that canopy of leaves, and and most of those products are going to include a bowl opener to stimulate the actual cotton bowls that are not open to open. Within the next 10 to 14 days, I expect our cotton harvest here in Central Texas to be in full swing, depending on what the weather does. Uh, If the hurricanes send rain our way, of course, that's going to complicate everything that has to do with cotton harvest. The 2020 cotton crop did receive some summer rains that we normally do not get. Those summer moisture events should increase our local cotton yield. Uh, Cotton out in the fields looks really good. A lot of the plants are loaded. They didn't kick off a lot of the bowls that they normally do. So farmers are are looking toward a, a good yield. There is a lot of unknown with the unpredictability of these hurricanes, uh, the path, and if they will bring moisture to our area. All eyes in the agricultural world are are on the Gulf right now. Forage production has been really good for Central Texas this year. I know of a few hay farmers that that are irrigating that are on their fourth cutting of hay. Many have just finished their third cutting, and nearly everyone has at least two cuttings, and we could get a, a third cutting for those if we do receive some timely rains between now and frost. Those producers that went ahead and put fertilizer out after that last cutting, and most of them put out a dry blend, uh, they received a half an inch to an inch of rain, their pastures have greened up, and Bermuda grass looks good. That moisture coupled with the cooler summer sunny days that we've been seeing here lately could set them up for another possible hay cutting. Livestock pastures do look good for this time of year, and there is ample grazing out there for livestock. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco. Sorghum scholarships are available to Texas students. Jessica Domel has more. The National Sorghum Foundation and BASF are offering two $2,500 scholarships to deserving students pursuing an undergraduate or graduate degree in agricultural-related curriculum. Undergraduate applicants must be entering their second year of study in the 2020-2021 academic year. Applicants must have a parent or grandparent who is a member of National Sorghum Producers. The application and other details are available on sorghumgrowers.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Be very careful when feeding sorghum to livestock this year. James Hunt explains from Amarillo. The outlook for grain production in sorghum is not great in the southern panhandle this year, so many farmers there will likely choose to let their fields be grazed or cut their sorghum for hay. But here's something to think about first. Dr. Brent Bean of the Sorghum Checkoff says when drought stresses sorghum, it can lead to an elevated threat of prussic acid or nitrate poisoning, both of which can be lethal for cattle. 
In situations where there's a potential concern, it's good to let a lab check things out. Yeah, it's hard to predict from just looking at a field, oh, this is going to have a problem. It's just almost impossible to do that. So be safe. doesn't cost much. Pull your sample. Keep it cool. Get it to the lab right away. And they'll test it within 24 hours, and they'll tell you what your risk is going to be. Bean says in most cases, the results will show there's little issue to worry about, although, again, it's best to be sure. For more about avoiding prussic acid and nitrate poisoning, go to the Agronomy Insights section at sorghumcheckoff.com. In Amarillo, I'm James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dallas-based Panda Biotech has selected Wichita Falls, Texas to be the home of the largest and most state-of-the-art industrial hemp processing center in the United States. The Panda Texas Plains Hemp Gen will also be the first facility in the nation to cottonize hemp fiber on a commercial scale for the American textile industry. The world-class facility will position Texas as a globally recognized leader in the processing of hemp fiber for industrial applications. The National Milk Producers Federation is encouraging dairy farmers to apply for the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. Michael Clements has the story. CFAP is the main method USDA is using to help farmers weather the COVID-19 pandemic. NMPF spokesperson Chris Galen says dairy farmers have received nearly $2 billion, but there is more funding available. We were one of the groups that helped work with Congress to get the money appropriated back at the end of the winter, and they gave USDA about $16 billion to use. Where we are right now at the end of August, however, is that only about $9 billion of that $16 billion has been claimed by farmers and ranchers of all commodities. For dairy farmers, they've gotten just about $1.7 billion, which is about 20% of that $9.2 billion. So there's certainly money still available, money being left on the table, and that's why we also asked USDA to extend the sign-up deadline. USDA extended the deadline to September 11th. Galen says there could be another round of CFAP payments early September. We've heard some rumblings out of USDA that they are going to take the remaining amount of money that was appropriated by Congress but hasn't yet been claimed by farmers and issue another round of payments or otherwise provide some direct assistance to farmers. So certainly we aren't through the woods yet with respect to the coronavirus pandemic. There's still money available at USDA to help farmers and we're hoping that USDA here sometime around Labor Day will announce that there is some second opportunity here for farmers to take advantage of this money. However, not all dairy farmers are fully able to take advantage of CFAP because of the payment limitations USDA is using. And in particular, there are some farms that are structured as trusts where USDA has applied a relatively stringent and strict interpretation of the payment limitations. And so that has diminished the value of the CFAP to at least some farms. So we've asked USDA this summer to take another look at the guidelines they're using, particularly in certain counties in California and other places where you have typically larger farmers that are structured a little bit differently. Lawmakers recently failed to pass another coronavirus stimulus bill, but Galen says those efforts are likely to continue. So the question is going to be, is there going to be another coronavirus-related stimulus bill, and what might that hold for agriculture? I think it's just too soon to say, but given that we've got a very important election coming up, I wouldn't put money against the fact that there will be another attempt in Congress to come up with more money. The other thing that dairy farmers have to keep in mind is that in October, there will be the opportunity to sign up for the Dairy Margin Coverage Program for 2021. 
So regardless of what happens in the future with the CFAP or whether there's going to be any other sort of stimulus money related to the COVID pandemic, there's certainly the opportunity to obtain additional risk management through the dairy margin coverage program. Who knows what 2021 will bring, and that's why we need to have farmers also enrolling in the DMC. Learn more online at nmpf.org. Michael Clements reporting. Using lights to reduce deer vehicle collisions. I am Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. And if your horse is losing weight, there are many causes that could be involved. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will take a closer look coming up on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are a lot of deer vehicle collisions here in Texas every year, but new research shows that additional lighting can help prevent those collisions. Jessica Domel explains. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has found a new way to help reduce deer vehicle collisions. USDA Stephanie Ho joins us with more. John Eisman is with USDA's National Wildlife Research Center. Our mission is to find solutions to human-wildlife conflict. And, you know, for a lot of people, deer-car collisions are a huge concern when they're driving at night. So USDA researchers found a way to reduce the number of collisions. The research shows a significant decrease in the risk of a deer-automobile collision simply by lighting up the front of the vehicle. You could think some of the early applications would be, um, you know, a big truck that has a brush guard on the front of the truck. This could be as simple as mounting a uh, LED light on that brush guard. Travis DeVault worked on the project at USDA and is now Associate Director for Research at the University of Georgia. For this research, we used a, an LED light-emitting diode light bar, a very bright one, that was uh, attached to a bracket on the front of the vehicle. The light bar faces backward toward the vehicle and is aimed downward so the driver cannot see it. The idea was that we wanted to find a way to provide more information about that oncoming threat, the vehicle to the deer, so we could increase its perceived risk. And when a deer or another animal perceives risk, then it's going to want to get out of the way. USDA officials have filed a patent application and are looking for partners who may be interested in pursuing this business opportunity. That report from USDA's Stephanie Ho. According to USDA, the likelihood of dangerous interactions decreased from 35 to only 10 percent of vehicle approaches when using the rear-facing light bar plus headlights versus using headlights alone. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. If your horse is losing weight, there are many things that could be causing that. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at some of those causes. Weight loss is not uncommon in horses, and if your horse is losing or not gaining weight, the first area to examine is the diet. In most cases, weight loss is due to the horse using up more calories for energy 
than the horse is ingesting. Your veterinarian can determine the digestible energy your horse requires for a certain level of work in megacalories per day, and then can determine if your horse is ingesting enough feed to meet those requirements. So the first place to look is the ration, and then make sure the horse is eating all of the ration and is able to chew correctly. The manure can be examined for fiber length to give you an idea of how well the horse is chewing. And the manure can also be tested for the presence of sand. A large amount of sand in the intestine could lead to weight loss. Routine blood work is usually required to rule out kidney or liver disease, diagnose anemia or inflammation, and possibly get a hint that cancer could be causing the weight loss. A fecal egg count should be performed checking for parasites, although it is possible horses can have weight loss from parasites and the fecal egg count can be low if most of the parasites are in the larval stages as these do not produce eggs. If a chronic inflammatory disease is suspected from the blood work, ultrasound of the chest and abdomen may be helpful in the diagnosis as any chronic inflammatory disease can lead to weight loss. Horses can also develop malabsorption syndromes that cause nutrients ingested to not be absorbed. So some of these weight loss cases can be diagnosed easily while others require a battery of tests, but all require contacting your veterinarian for an exam. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We saw lower closes today for cattle, cotton, and grains. We'll take a much closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, and energy markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The weakness continues in the cattle market. We've seen lower closes on the futures board just about all week long. Thursday was no exception. We closed with October live cattle down 55 cents, 103.92. December down 62 at 107.82. February live cattle down 37, 111.67. Same thing on the feeder cattle. Lower closes with October feeders down $1.12, $138.32. November feeder cattle down $0.97, cents, $139.37. Looking at the cash markets, fed cattle moving lower through the week. On Wednesday, we sold Texas cattle at one hundred three on a live basis. Then here on Thursday, they dropped a dollar lower, 102 for most of the sales on a live basis. Dressed sales up north, ranging from 162 to 163. That's $4 lower compared to last week's average. Boxed beef prices moving lower. Choice down 67 cents at 226.91. Select down 79, 213.03. Now let's check out a couple of auction barns here in Texas. We'll head up to the Panhandle. Floyd Data Livestock Sales and Floyd Data sold 350 head on Wednesday. The calf market, 8 to 12 lower. Packers, 5 to 7 higher. 2 to 300 pound steers range from $1.60 to $1.80. 
Three to four weight steers, a dollar fifty to a dollar seventy-three. Four to five weight steers brought a dollar thirty-five to a dollar fifty-eight. Five to six hundred pounders, a dollar twenty-five to a dollar forty-eight. Six to seven weight steers, a dollar twenty to a dollar thirty-six. And those heavy seven to eight weight steers, a dollar to a dollar thirty-four pound. Cows range from seven hundred fifty to eleven hundred a head. Cow calf pairs brought nine hundred to fourteen hundred a pair. Next, we head to the Hill Country, Gillespie Livestock in Fredericksburg, selling 1,217 head. The trend there steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.50 to $2 a pound. Three to four hundred pounders, $1.45 to $1.90. Four to five weight steers, $1.40 to $1.81. Five to six weights, $1.25 to $1.63. Six to seven hundred pound steers, $1.20 to $1.45. And the seven to eight weights brought a dollar twenty to a dollar thirty-five a pound. Slaughter cows forty-five to seventy cents. Slaughter bulls eighty to ninety-two cents. Stocker cows range from six hundred to eleven hundred a head. Cow calf pairs nine hundred to fourteen fifty a pair. The cotton market finishing lower again on Thursday. Same story as we saw earlier in the week. The strengthening U.S. dollar continuing to put pressure on cotton prices this week. We were on quite a bull run there for a while, getting up above 65 cents, but this strengthening dollar has taken its toll on prices. We close with the October contract down 62 points, 63.56. December cotton down 68, closing at 64.28. Same story in the grain markets. The strengthening U.S. dollar putting pressure on grain exports and grain prices. We close with December Kansas City wheat down three and a half, four seventy-five and three quarters. New crop July wheat down four at four ninety-nine a bushel. Corn was lower December down a nickel, three fifty-three and three quarters. In the energy markets, we're seeing lower prices. October natural gas. Down a penny at 247. October crude oil down 23 cents, 41.28 a barrel. Well, that's a look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Kerry Martin. We'll see you right back here tomorrow for all of the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.